In 2010, a man named Forrest Finn published a memoir of short stories about his life. And he had lived quite an interesting life. He flew 328 combat missions within 365 days in Vietnam. And then he received a terminal cancer diagnosis late in life. And after surviving that, he operated a, a gallery with artifacts and jewelry, art, and many other things. But, but none of those stories or aspects of his life are what drew people to his memoir. Instead, what drew people to his memoir was a poem he included in it, a poem that was filled with clues leading to treasure that he had buried somewhere in the United States. And so when people got the memoir, they, they began reading the clues, trying to figure them out and put them together. And, and people spent years, months of their lives in dedication to searching for this treasure. Some people quit their jobs. People spent tons of money looking for it. And five people even died while on a search for it, deep in the heart of the Rockies. And this last month, after 10 years of people searching for it, Finn reported that someone had found it. Someone, he didn't release their name because of course, you know, it's like winning the lottery. You don't want your name released when you find a treasure chest full of millions of dollars worth of gold and jewelry and other things. Someone found it and we don't know their name, but we know they spent many hours. They know we spent a lot of resources. We know they spent so much of themselves and of their time in dedication to finding this treasure. And can't you just imagine the feeling of joy they had? when they dug deep in the ground and they found it. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus tells us. In Matthew chapter 13, in, in one of his shortest parables, Jesus, he tells us this, he says the parable, sorry, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And as if that punchy parable wasn't enough to get people's imaginations going when, when Jesus told it to them, he, he immediately told another short parable. He said this, he said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. A famous Methodist preacher, J. Ellsworth Callis, says that, that Jesus' audience would have immediately known this image of a pearl. Because just as it's full of great value today, in their day and age, a pearl was one of the finest things someone could have. And he says that pearl merchants, they, they traveled all over, always searching for the best ones. And so if we think about the, the merchant in this little parable, I mean, we can imagine him going from bazaar to bazaar, from city to city, from country to country in search of the finest pearls in all of the world. He dedicated years of his life. He dedicated his time. He gave so much. And then finally, when he comes upon this pearl, he, he doesn't negotiate the value. He, he doesn't decide, do I really want this one 
or not. When he sees it, he knows this is what he's been looking for. And so he goes and he sells all of his other pearls. He goes and he sells his home, his business, and everything else so that he can purchase and attain this one pearl. I'm sure his friends and family thought he was a bit crazy in pursuit of it. But this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, Jesus says. A man selling everything for one magnificent pearl. And and while short and to the point, these two parables from Jesus remind us of something that Jesus was trying to communicate to his disciples over and over and over again. And that is that one thing is worth giving up everything. One thing is worth giving up everything. And I mean, if we look earlier in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, we find Jesus, when he calls his first disciples, walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he calls out to Simon Peter and to Andrew as they're casting their nets. He says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And in that moment, they left behind their nets, their vocation. They left behind their boat. They left behind family members so they could follow him. And then when other people began following him, Jesus said things like this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And one of the things we see throughout the gospels is the disciples of Jesus doing this very thing. They deny themselves. They denied the comforts of their old lives that they were used to. They denied themselves the, the security of knowing exactly where they were going to lay their head each night. They, they, they lived off of donations from other people and trusting that, that God and Jesus would provide for them on this journey. They gave up the hopes and the dreams that they had for their lives as they began to follow this guy, Jesus. And as they gave up all of these things in pursuit of discipleship, of following Jesus, one of the things they discovered along the way is is that these things weren't enough. They, They learned that discipleship didn't just demand some things from them. It demanded everything from them. And when you read in the Gospels, we find that that for some people, this was just too much. Right, we think about someone like the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus, hopeful, wanting to be with him and to follow him, and he, he realizes the demands are too much, and he walks away from Jesus downtrodden. We think about the crowds, how, how Jesus, he could draw a crowd. He could fill a worship center like this one I'm in right now. I mean, he could fill stadiums, but then when he began teaching about discipleship and what it actually entailed, people began to fizzle out. The crowds began to thin and people began to walk elsewhere. But the disciples, those core disciples, they stayed with him. They stayed with him, following him, even as he upped the ante, even as he approached the cross, and they began to see that Jesus was going to lay down his very life for the kingdom of heaven. 
And I mean, it leads us to this question of, I mean, why? Why did these people stay with him and give up everything along the way? And I, I think the reason why is because when they were with Jesus, they glimpsed the kingdom of heaven. When they were with Jesus, they were experiencing true joy. When they were with Jesus, they were experiencing life as it was meant to be lived. And so they said, you know what? We're willing to give up everything. We're willing to give up everything in our lives so that we might experience true life, the life that God desires for us. Because as they gave up all of those things, they experienced purpose, joy, love, peace, contentment, and so much more. And growing up, I was regularly reminded of these truths as I entered the sanctuary at Conyers First United Methodist Church just down the road from here. Because there, as you kind of came in the side doors and began to walk to the space for worship, there were two big pictures that greeted me every week. Actually, not every week, like every four days or every three days when I walked into the church. One was Warner Salmon's famous portrait of Jesus. And the other was a portrait of an older woman, a woman named Miss Leona Glenn. Born in 1866, Miss Glenn read these parables in the Gospels of Jesus and she took him seriously. She took him so seriously that, that when he called her to give up her normal life in small old Conyers, Georgia to serve the people of Brazil, she got on a boat and she spent the next 40 years of her life spreading the Gospel. She inspired a generation of missionaries. And every time I would walk in the church after knowing her story and seeing the picture of Jesus and her picture nearby, she inspired me as well. She inspired me and she reminded me that the call of discipleship, the demands of discipleship that Jesus gave to his disciples, those weren't just for people back then. Jesus' call to follow him with all that we have and all that we are is a call for us as Christians today as well. And so what, what exactly does Jesus call us to give up for the sake of the kingdom of heaven like we see in these parables? Well, I think if we, we look closer at them, I mean, we see, we see a few things. One is giving up a grip on our possessions I mean, the person who, who, who sold everything so that they could get this field, that's what they did. The, the merchant sold everything so that they could attain this pearl. And I think Jesus calls us, not all of us, to literally sell all of our possessions, but I think he calls us to surrender our possessions to him and to give up our grip on them and say, here they are. Use them for the sake of your kingdom. I, I think he calls us to give up our grip on our time. I mean, thinking about the merchant who went from town to town, city to city, year after year, searching diligently for that one thing. I think he calls us to give up our time so that we 
can become his followers in a deeper way so that we can truly attain the kingdom of heaven as well. I think he calls us to dedicate our time to him. And I don't think what Jesus is talking about here and what he was talking about with his disciples is giving, you know, five or 10 minutes in the morning each day reading Jesus calling together. I don't think he meant, you know, throwing up a passing prayer here and there. I don't think Jesus wants five or 10 minutes of our day. He wants us to give all of our time over to him and for him to be a part of every moment of our lives. He doesn't want just a slot in the morning or a slot in the evening. He wants to be involved in our workplace, in our families, in our relationships, and how we make decisions, and so much more. I think he also wants us to give up our grip on our reputations. This is a tough one for me because I, I want to be liked by people. I want to be loved by people. I want to be seen as a reasonable person. But I mean, one person selling everything to buy a field one person selling everything, uh, a thousand pearls that they had to get one pearl. I mean, people surely deemed them unreasonable. And Jesus, he's calling us, you know what? Give up your grip on what other people think because it's not truly about what they think. It's about what I think of you. It's about your identity that I've given you. And I want you to be willing to give over your reputation to me. And the list could actually go on and on and on because the truth is that Jesus calls us to give up our grip on everything for the sake of one thing. And this, you could call it maybe a paradox of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the paradox at the heart of the gospel is that it's only when we hand over everything to God, everything that, that we are, are, are doing and, and, and buying and loving, all of these things that we're doing to, to try and get purpose and joy and fulfillment and meaning in our lives, only when we hand over all of those things to him and surrender do we truly gain all of those things that we're really searching for. Only when we hand over our lives do we receive true life as we were created to live. And Jesus, he wants to give us all of those things. But he asks us to hand over everything first. And you might be thinking, you know, that's a big ask. And it is. It is a big ask, but we have to remember that the one asking us to hand over our lives to him is the one who gave his very life for us. I mean, Jesus, he, he not only lived a perfect sinless life, he also suffered. He died. He was nailed uh, upon the cross for us and for our salvation and he rose again. Jesus gave everything so that we could attain the kingdom of heaven. And now in response, he calls us to hand over everything to him so that we might get all of the benefits that he wants to give to us. And this week, uh, I heard a story from, from one of my friends that, that's really stuck with me. And one of my friends is a Catholic priest uh, down in the Mobile area. And he shared a story about 
how recently he was talking with, with a man in his diocese and, and the man had an eight-year-old son who was experiencing a terrible bout of tendonitis. And it was so bad that, that his son couldn't walk. He couldn't walk. He couldn't really move without crying. So they went to the doctor and the doctor said, you know what? You know, this is one of those things that it's only going to get better if you just stay still and just are on bed rest for about six months and then it'll kind of release itself. So they went home, rested, but, but day after day, he saw his son crying. He saw his son suffering and in pain and he couldn't stand it. And, and he saw an advertisement at a local Catholic parish for a charismatic prayer meeting. And he saw that people were going to be praying for healings there and he thought, you know what, I don't, I don't even know if I really believe in that kind of stuff, but I'm going to go. So he took his eight-year-old son to that prayer meeting and, and people prayed over him. They laid hands on him and when they were going out of the meeting, his son looked up to him and said, Daddy, I, I think I'm healed. And his dad said, well, son, let, let's go home and let's, let's rest for the evening and we'll, we'll see. So the next morning, the son runs into his daddy's room and says, Dad, I'm better. I'm better. And his dad says, you know what? Take it easy today. You know, I, I got to go to work. And so his dad went to work all day, came home. His son was running around in the backyard. And in that moment, my friend told me that this man said, you know, I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. I was overwhelmed with the presence of God. And in this moment, I mean, this man, he, he experienced joy. He experienced a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom that's full of wholeness and healing and life and joy and restoration. And so in the midst of being overwhelmed with God's presence and catching a glimpse of the kingdom, he went to his backyard and he said to God, he said, God, you're real. God, you're real. And then he prayed this prayer. He said, God, I give you everything and I want everything you've got for me. God, I give you everything and I want everything you've got for me. And that day he said that he handed over his family, his house, his job, he said he handed over his very life to God as he prayed that prayer. God, I give you everything and I want everything you've got for me. And from that day forward, everything began to change in his life. And this week I've been, I've been thinking about that prayer. I've been praying that prayer. And you know, in the old revival days, during the Great Awakenings and at camp meetings and other place, this, this prayer is known as a prayer of consecration. A prayer of full surrender to God. A handing over of all that we have and all that we are and saying to God, God, I want what you have for me. You are my creator, you are my redeemer, you are my sustainer, you are the king of my life. I give you everything and I want everything you've got from me. And so as we close this morning, I wanna, I wanna actually invite you to do something perhaps a little bit uncomfortable. But I mean, as we've been talking about, Jesus calls us 
to give up comforts for the sake of the kingdom. And so I don't know if you're, you're in bed, maybe you have a, a coffee table in front of you right now, maybe, maybe you're outside, maybe you're in a car. If you're in a car, I'd love for you to pull over if you're listening. But I would love for you to join me now and, and to get down on your knees and to pray this prayer of consecration alongside of me. I'd love for you to, to, to honestly, for real, right now, get down on your knees. And this is a posture uh, of surrender, of humility, of reverence before God. And I want to invite you to pray that prayer. God, I give you everything. And I want everything you've got for me. So will you join me now? Will you, will you, will you get down on your knees and, and pray this with me? Lord, we're living in challenging times. We're living in uncertain times. We don't know exactly what, what lies ahead of us or what you desire from us, but we know that you gave your very life for us and we want to give our very lives in return for you, not because we somehow earn salvation, but as a living sacrifice in dedication to you. And so God, on this day, in July of 2020, we pray together, God, we give you everything and we want everything that you've got for us. Fill us with joy. Fill us with peace. Fill us with love. Fill us with your presence and purpose. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ. Amen.